Hey, Jesse here. Are you looking for a little extra focus in your day? Go to extrafocus.com and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. It's a lot like this podcast, but in written form and delivered directly to your inbox once a week so you can read it at your own pace. I always keep it short so it's a quick read to help inspire your week with ADHD strategies and more. And speaking of strategies, when you sign up, you'll also get access to my ADHD strategy guide, the five pillars of ADHD. And if you want to take it to the next level, you can sign up for the paid version of the newsletter. It's like giving me a high five, uh, but with your wallet. Seriously, thank you for the support. It helps keep the lights on and allows me to continue to do this important work. Again, just go to extrafocus.com to sign up today. The thing that I remember the most is... um... Uh, them talking about the difficulty getting started with things sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and like the, the, the fact that like these, these things that don't seem like they should be that hard end up getting built into your brain to be like this giant mountain that you can't like possibly climb, you know? Hey, my name is Jesse J. Anderson, host of the ADHD nerds podcast, the show where we talk about living with ADHD and have some fun along the way. On today's episode, I talk with my friend, Rich Burroughs. Rich is a fellow nerd who is the staff developer advocate at Loft Labs and also is the creator of Cube Cuddle, a podcast about Kubernetes and the people who build and use it. Rich and I both did some ADHD coach training together last year, and we talk a bit more about that in today's episode, as well as what it's like working in the tech industry with ADHD. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Llama Life. Say goodbye to never-ending lists and hello to daily bliss. Life is a perfect tool for managing time-boxed working sessions. You can whiz through your monstrous to-do list, finish your work on time, and get the things done that you said you would do. To get your free trial, go to ADHDnerds.com slash llama, that's L-L-A-M-A, and get started today. And you can save 20% by using the coupon code JESSELLAMA20. That's J-E-S-S-E-L-L-A-M-A-2-0. Now let's get to the show. Hey, Rich, I'd love to start the show with kind of hearing how did you like kind of find out you had ADHD and what was that story like for you? Yeah. So I was, uh, pretty old when I got diagnosed. So, um, it was age 55, um, which is kind of crazy. I see these people on Reddit sometimes and they're like, I got diagnosed at 25. Well, my life is ruined. And I'm like, wow, I wish I could have gotten diagnosed back then. But, you know, I've been working in tech for many years. I helped organize a local kind of community tech conference, right? And um, somebody was speaking there. I knew they were speaking about mental health stuff. Um, It's actually someone I know, a friend of mine, right? And they were going to be giving this talk about mental health. And I, at the time, knew that I had experienced anxiety and depression and um, was pretty open about that stuff. Like I talked about it a lot on Twitter. And so I was excited to see this talk about mental health. And I didn't know it was really going to focus a lot on this person's ADHD. Mm-hmm. And it was like a gut punch, you know, watching this talk. I was almost in tears by the end of it. And I'm someone who, thanks to toxic masculinity, you know, like it's, I almost never cry. Right. But I was like <laughs> as close to crying as I get. And, mm-hmm. um, it was like he was talking about my life. And so afterwards, I grabbed my friend and I was like, I need to talk to you right now. (laughs) And Uh we had a discussion about it for a little bit. And then um, a year and a half goes by and I don't do anything about getting evaluated. And it's kind of funny. um, Not too long ago, I was looking back on my phone and um, 
I actually found a photo that like I do this thing once in a while where like I'm in a bookstore and I see a book that I want to buy. Right. But I mm-hmm. maybe don't want to buy it right now or I want to see if I can get it through the library online or something. And so I'll mm-hmm. take a picture of it. Right. And and there's a picture of me holding a copy of Driven to Distraction like <laughs> like a month after this conference. Right. Right, right. And I didn't get the book and I didn't read it or anything. (laughs) And so I'm I'm at this point where I'm at a job that started basically at almost the same exact time as the pandemic. And Mm. um, I was really struggling. Um, It wasn't a great fit in some ways, you know, but part of it, I think, was like the extra cognitive load of like just living in that time period where like, right. Nobody knew what was happening. We didn't understand the virus yet. I was like wiping down my groceries, you know, with like, uh yeah. So I was struggling really hard and got, you know, got to the point where I was, you know, almost unable to work. You know, like I just wasn't getting anything done and I knew I was in trouble. And so I finally was like, all right, I need to go get this checked out. And I went through this company that has since gone out of business. It was one of these mental health startups. Mm -hmm. Um, called Ahead, where um, they matched you with, you know, it was a nurse practitioner in my case, you know, and I got diagnosed. And then I went through this period where, and I think this is like not uncommon, where I doubted my diagnosis. (laughs) So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. So going in, I was certain I had it, right? And then I get the diagnosis and I start asking myself questions like, it seems like that was too easy, right? It was just like a one hour meeting and, you know, mm-hmm. um, like, can I really trust this? And, um, but then after a while, um, you know, that didn't last too long, like probably not more than like a few weeks. Um, right, right. Yeah. Was that, so when you were doubting it, was it because the process went too quickly or is it kind of like you just having the, I, I know a lot of people find out about ADHD and they're like, it's just, it, I, I think part of the years of kind of being battered down by having ADHD, you almost yep. feel like this feels too easy. This doesn't seem right. Like you kind of have this weight that you've built up. And so it feels like having an answer that explains all that almost like I don't deserve this or something. Is that sort of what you felt or yeah? what was that experience like? I don't think that was necessarily what I felt. I think that it was um, a lot of it was just about the process, right? Because this place, Mm. um, it really was kind of like a bit of a prescription farm, you know? Uh, Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And these prescribers, like, I think that they were just like, in these meetings, like all day, they had like almost no time to like follow up with people or do anything like that. It was just all about like getting these evaluations done, you know? And so, you know, I didn't trust it partly because of that, I think, but, Mm -hmm. um, but also, you know, I mean, maybe that was a factor. I don't know. Like I hadn't thought about it that way. The fact that like, I felt like I was, um, maybe it was too easy to let myself off the hook. Um, right. But, uh, but what I found pretty soon after is that, um, you know, I still experienced some anxiety and depression, um, but that stuff is much less than, than it was beforehand that I feel like that was almost all triggered by the ADHD, you know, and that I've, as I've started to kind of understand those, those, um, I guess cycles, you know, of like, I'm not getting stuff done. And so I get anxious about not getting stuff done and then I feel terrible. And so I get depressed, (laughs) you know, um, Mm -hmm. that, that, um, that understanding how my brain works better has really helped me in a lot of different ways. Right. Do you, do you remember from your friends talk, like any specific things that really kind of stood out and kind of maybe took, 
took you back and made you kind of reflect on specific parts of your life that like, oh, this is why I couldn't do this or this is why I felt that way? Like what sort of things really yeah. stuck out to you? Um, the thing that I remember the most is um, uh, them talking about the difficulty getting started with things sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. like the 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 fact that like these these things that don't seem like they should be that hard end up getting built into your brain to be like this giant mountain that you can't like possibly climb, you know. I think that's the that's the thing that stands out the most. Um, but um, but in general, you know, it just all really kind of fit my experiences very well. And, you know, some of these things I knew about myself already, you know, um, some of these right. like very little of the things that I've learned about ADHD or things that like were super surprising to me once I understood them, you know, but, um, but it's like, I didn't have the big picture. I didn't have the big narrative. Yeah. These were all individual aspects of my personality or something, right. There wasn't like this thing that is the the explanation for for why I'm that way. Yeah, it, it it almost feels like you're just sort of like collecting all these things that you think of as like I remember I used to think of them as like personality quirks or Absolutely. almost like like weird like family traits because like my dad and my brother they both have ADHD. Well, my dad denies it, but I'm pretty sure he has ADHD and my yeah. brother has ADHD and they have a lot of those similar quirks whereas like it feels like something's broken or different about my brain compared to other people. But my dad and my brother have this thing too. So it must be just sort of like one of those family things. And I was building up this giant list in my head of like all these things that were kind of weird about us and felt kind of wrong. And then eventually found out that, oh, hey, these are like basically listed in the DSM-5 as like symptoms of ADHD. And there's other things too, like I'd find out um, what, I remember one of the things that really stood out early on when I was looking at symptoms was that uh, sensory issues being common with ADHD and like specifically T-shirt tags. And that was like this like light bulb moment for me because I was like, I have always hated T-shirt tags so yeah, much. Same. I like rip them out of every shirt that I have because it's just like the scent. Like it's not like, oh, that's sort of irritating. It's like I can't think or do anything all i can think about is that little scratchy itch in the back of my neck and it's going to drive me insane and so like that like jumped out to me is even though it's not like that's not like not everyone with adhd has that experience and that also those sensory issues also are kind of in common with autism as well but it was just like even this weird thing that i thought was just sort of like a weird thing with me is like listed as a common thing Um, Yeah, yeah, it was just really kind of revelatory for me finding out that all these things all kind of had a name collectively and that I wasn't the only one sort of experiencing all of that. I thought I was really eccentric. Yeah, (laughs) cool. So uh, I've been following you. I don't remember when I started following you, but I've been following you on Twitter for a long time because I think we're just sort of in the same tech space. I know you're really big in like the Kubernetes community, which I'm not at all. So I think maybe you spoke at a conference I was at and I followed you there or something. But I remember a couple of years ago when you started posting more about ADHD and I had known that I was diagnosed at the time. So I saw you posting about it and then you mentioned that you were... Uh, about to start your ADHD coaching training. And I was like, oh no, I was going to do that. <laughs> I had like 
had it on my list to sign up for this uh, ADHD coach training. And then I hadn't done it. And it literally started like you you tweeted and it was like going to start the next day. <laughs> yep, I remember this. <laughs> so I like panicked and tried to do it really quick. And thankfully, I was able to get it done. So I signed up literally the night before. And uh, we both ended up doing uh, yeah some ADHD coach training uh, together. So I'm curious what what led you from first finding out that, oh, hey, I have this thing to deciding like, hey, maybe I want to be a coach and start that yeah. training. What kind of led to that? So I, um, I got hooked up with an amazing coach, you know, so um, some of my friends um, had taken some boot camps that um, Dusty Chapura does and uh, people were just glowing about her, you know, like there are probably like three different people that I knew who had done these boot camps and they all recommended mm. them really highly. And so I took Dusty's next boot camp that she did. And then um, I started doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with her afterwards too. Um, and, you know, I thought that it was something that, um, I could potentially be good at. I'm somebody with a lot of empathy, which I think is not <laughs> uncommon for ADHD folks. <laughs> um, I, I really, um, my thought about it was I can check this out, you know, it's not cheap, but you know, if I don't want to become a coach, at least hopefully I learned some things that I can apply to my own life. Right. And so mm -hmm. that was kind of the perspective that I went into it with. And it turned out that I, um, I don't know at this point, you know, I've got a pretty good career in tech. It's really scary thinking about like changing careers, you know, and going into coaching. I think it would be really rewarding for me in some ways. And I think that there's the possibility that I like might actually be a happier person if I felt like a bunch of fulfillment from helping people, you know, but at the same time, it's like, I've got a pretty good paycheck. <laughs> and, you know, I've spent years building up this really good network in the tech community. And so, you know, in the end, I don't, I don't think I could really pull the trigger, you know, to, to actually make the switch um, in mm -hmm. becoming a coach. But um, I did find the classes pretty valuable. I, I think that like the first one, especially we, we both took um, classes at this place called ADCA, A-D-D-C-A. And their first class, the, uh, I can't even remember. Simply ADHD, it's called. Yeah, simply yeah. ADHD. That was the one that I found like super, super helpful, and I think that that I would recommend that one to people, you know, who didn't even want to become a coach, you know, um, um, assuming that it fits their budget, right? Um, I think that uh, they did a really good job of explaining ADHD, and the thing that I liked about it the most is that it was very science based, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we'd get these. We had this PDF, you know, that we would use and like there'd be, uh, you know, co different columns talking about symptoms and stuff. But there was this column that was like all these scientific studies, you know, the, these things that neuroscientists have learned, you know, that that explain um, why this stuff happens. And I really appreciated that aspect of it. I'm someone who's like very science based myself. And I think that mm -hmm. like some of the, the, some of the things that I hear sometimes are like a little too woo woo for me, you know? And, <laughs> and so I like mm -hmm. the fact that there was, you know, that this really was based on actual research, you know? Yeah, I agree. I found the Simply ADHD uh, course at ADCA to be super valuable. Yeah. And I, I recommended it. Uh, I was at the ADHD Chad conference in Dallas recently, and I was talking with like some fellow ADHD creators, your content creators, yeah. and kind of suggesting to them, like, even if you don't want to be a coach, I think taking the Simply ADHD course would be super beneficial because like you said, like there, it does a really great job of, yeah, kind of scientifically backing stuff. But it also, I think they do a really great job of kind of threading the needle between 
I think like two of the two of the really prominent uh, leaders kind of in the ADHD space. Uh, on one side, you'd have like Richard Barkley, who's yeah. like one of the leading researchers doing so much great stuff uh, for ADHD research. But I find some of his content to be like a little bit dry and a little bit negative. Uh, actually, yeah. a lot, a lot of bit negative. It's like yeah. really well researched and stuff, but it's not very it's not super ADHD. ADHD friendly to consume because it can feel yep. just like you can read some Barkley stuff and you're like, wow, I learned a lot, but I'm depressed because <laughs> it's just like it does not hold Absolutely. anything back. And then you kind of have, um, you know, you mentioned Driven to Distraction earlier, which was the first book I read and yep. by uh, Dr. Hallowell. Um, yeah. And he's sort of the other side. He's maybe a little bit more woo woo, uh, but he's also he really gets I think what, how people with ADHD communicate and what sort of things they need to hear to be, yeah. to be able to excel. And so he's got that really kind of positive uh, mindset. And I think the Simply ADHD course does a really good job of kind of threading the needle of not going too woo woo, but still being positive reinforcing and, and still having that science backing of kind of the, the Barkley side of things. Yeah, I and think I, that yeah. um yeah, that uh I definitely know what you're talking about, like between those two those two <laughs> people in the community. And I, I agree completely. I I really appreciate Barkley's point of view and the negativity that that bothers people. It doesn't bother me as much because I feel like it's important to understand those things, you know, that this really mm -hmm. can have an impact on life expectancy and things like that, right? And mm -hmm. and um but but I understand, you know, that that's um you know, too negative for some people. I'm very much against the the ADHD is a superpower kind of thing. Mm. Like that really mm. tends to rub me the wrong way. And it's kind of funny that you mentioned the, you know, Barclay's content not being um, that easy to, uh, to kind of parse for someone with ADHD, because one of the first things that I watched, like when I started researching it after um, after I saw that talk from my friend was, was one of, um, Barkley's videos that somebody has put online and it's like, it's a talk he was giving to parents of kids that had ADHD, but somebody put it in a YouTube playlist. And so they <laughs> split it up into like these five to 10 minute long videos. And it's like 20 different videos or something in this playlist. Mm -hmm. and, and I watched that and I was so grateful to whoever did that because it was like absolutely something where had I had I like sat down to watch a two hour video, I would never made it through the whole thing. But like <laughs> having it in little easy consumable bits, you know, definitely made a difference. Yeah, that that uh, video or that whole talk is so great. And same thing, that's yeah. the sort of thing that I would have like added, you know, add a bookmark. I'll definitely check that out later and then never ever come back to it but because like well the first video is five minutes so i'll go ahead and watch that and then yeah. you end up watching you know half of them or all of them in one sitting and yeah. yeah that that talk is it does i think you have to i feel like i warn some people like if you're if you're feeling really negative about yourself this maybe isn't the thing to watch right now yeah. because again his language is just i mean necessary but it can be harsh if you're not in a good state but if you're really like no no i want to learn about ADHD and I'm okay with the harsh realities of it. It's so educational and so, uh, yeah, he's just really great at cutting to the truth with stuff. And yeah. yeah, I think that series is, or that whole talk is totally worth watching. I'll add a link to that in the show notes. Um, yeah, I think for me, like one of the biggest things that I got out of the the classes at ADCA, like if I could give people one thing to think about, you know, that that we learned in those classes, I think it's really the, the power of interest, you know, like how much mm -hmm. interest and novelty plays a part in, in, um, ADHD and the fact that, you know, it's why we hyper-focus, right? Like if there's something that we're excited about, it's, it's, 
you know, potentially too easy for us to do that thing. Like we might want to do it for days, you know, but, right. um, but the things that are hard or the things that, you know, are boring or you don't want to do for some reason. Sometimes for me, it's things that I'm afraid of, right. You know, those mm -hmm. are the things that, that I put off and, and can't get started on. And so I've really tried to structure a lot of my life around that, you know, like I, I um, think about this constantly in my day job. I'm in a position where I work for a startup company and I was like one of the early employees. And so I have, you know, a little bit of status there and a good mm -hmm. relationship with the CEO. And, and so it's, it's literally for me, it's like, how do I plan my work around the fact that I know that my brain doesn't want to do certain things, you know, and, and it's been super helpful for me to 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 think about it that way. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people with ADHD end up sort of uh, accidentally in tech because there's just a lot yeah. of things of interest there. And so it's really easy to kind of keep following one interest to the next to the next. And you're kind of learning all this stuff along the way, which most, uh, you know, most of us with ADHD really love learning all these new things. And then we kind of uh, naturally, maybe after a lot of job hopping, but naturally kind of end up in a career uh, in tech. Like that's kind of what happened to me. I've probably had like 30 jobs in my life. And I just sort of accidentally became like, I'm, you know, software developer now and the designer, yeah. basically, because my dad got a copy of Photoshop when I was a kid. And I played around with it a lot then. And then I discovered chat rooms. And that eventually showed me like, oh, I can add color to that, like I can edit my font color. And that all just sort of like, eventually we're now I'm like programming apps and stuff because it's just like yeah. one sort of tech jumping to the next and learning that next new thing. Um, so you, you've had a pretty long career in tech and I know in sort of like the, in the early emails before we started the, the podcast, you talked about how things can get maybe a little bit more difficult as you progress in sort of the uh, tech state, you know, as you get kind of further up the ladder and what yeah. that might be like. So yeah, so I'd love for you to maybe unpack that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when I started off, um, I've actually not been a developer. My experience has been on the operations side, right? So I started off like back in the mid nineties as like what was called a sysadmin there, which I think is a job that really doesn't exist anymore. It does in some places, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, I was building servers and configuring them and taking care of them. And, um, and a lot of what I did was very reactive, you know, like I, I wasn't very often put in situations where I was working on year long projects or something, right. It was almost always a fire, you know, or something I had to do right then, you know? And, right. and so I was on call, you know, for a while in that sort of role. And then I ended up shifting a little bit more into a, a role that again, doesn't really exist anymore specifically, but <laughs> But we would have called it an application administrator back then where I was like deploying applications and configuring them and stuff and and troubleshooting problems with them. And again, you know, very reactive stuff. And my time horizon, usually I was focused on the next big software release we did. Right. You know, and that wasn't usually more than like a month or two months out. Right. So. Right. So, again, a similar thing, never really thinking about year long projects or anything like that. And then mm -hmm. as I started to move up in my career, you know, I, I got a senior role and, and now I'm a, a staff developer advocate. And, you know, I've been in this position where, you know, there's a point where you're expected to just be able to manage projects, right? You know, <laughs> which is something that is, is kind of like mind boggling to me because project management is a specialty, right? There's people mm -hmm. who learn how to do project management and they're very good at it. 
And I think specifically working more on the operation side in tech, that at least in the past, it was less likely to have dedicated project management people for operational stuff, you know, for like mm. upgrading things or, or stuff like that. It was usually a lot more focused around like business projects coming from the business side. Right. And, and so it became kind of obvious to me, like it was something that I just knew about myself that I wasn't like good at dealing with those long-term things, you know? And, and so when I got put into a position where, um, I, I had to start worrying about those kinds of things more, I really noticed that it was difficult for me. And, and I think that, that it's the time blindness stuff, you know, and, mm. and it's like, for me, when I'm looking at my list of tasks for the day, it's so easy to focus on the things that are due today or next week and not think about the thing that is maybe going to be very pivotal, you know, <laughs> pivotal for the company in a year from now, you know? So that's something that I've, uh, again, tried to keep in mind. It's something I've learned about myself and I try to do what I can to, to adjust for that. But, but I think that that's a, a pretty typical thing, you know, when you hear about like on the software engineering side, when you hear people talk about what it means to be a, a senior or a staff engineer or a principal, a lot of times it's very much, you know, uh, about that idea of like, you know, having a big project that you're the one who kind of drives through to success, you know, and, mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. um, and I think that it is, uh, it is probably a struggle for, you know, a lot of folks. Yeah. Yeah. I've, so I've been at the same company now for a little over eight years, which is wild because that I think wild. before that, <laughs> before that, I don't think I had been at any company for more than two years in a row, uh, much less. Yeah. Eight. So I've been here for a long time and I've kind of run into that similar sort of thing. You know, when you've been there for a while, there's just sort of this typical sort of expected trajectory. Um, yeah. and I've done some of that. And then you hit a point where it's like, well, this does all my strengths are gone now. Like, yeah. I, like I was really excelling right before I got to this spot. And now it's like, I can't lean on any of the stuff I'm really good at. And because of the way like my brain works, it's like, I can't just like adapt to this new role because it, it just doesn't fit who I am, like what, what, where my brain is going to excel. Cause I can't find that interest and that, that longer term planning and stuff just really doesn't align with me. And so I think, I think it's really important to kind of have a good grasp of that and sort of know yourself. Um, and I mean, that's, again, that's why I like taking that, like, not that this is like a big ad for like Adka's uh, Simply ADHD course, but a lot of learning through that is just like accepting who I am and how my brain works. Yeah. And obviously there's ways you can stretch that and, um, you know, try out new things, but knowing that like interest really is important for me to be able to excel at something. Yeah. And there's ways that I can kind of like manipulate that and manufacture interest in certain ways, but I have to like, it, I can't just know that, Hey, if I think this is really important, I'm going to be able to do it because that's just not the reality of how my brain works. And so I think there's so much of when you have ADHD, you have to just sort of like ignore a lot of common sense because it's not common for us. We have kind of this whole other way of understanding things. And I think the more, the better you understand that, the better you're going to be able to make kind of future important decisions for yourself yeah. and the roles that you sort of take on. Yeah, I found myself working at small companies a lot. So the startup mm -hmm. that I'm at now, I joined as uh, employee number four, you know, and we're at like yeah. 25 people now. And uh, I've been at bigger companies and I definitely felt like I struggled a lot more when there was more bureaucracy. And, and I think that those are the kinds of places where you're more going to be asked to like 
drive those projects that are like year long projects that are big initiatives that involve the entire business or something like that. Um, the other thing that's kind of funny is that, um, I've, I've heard from a lot of other folks who work in tech who have ADHD, that this was the case for them. I think it was very good at being on call, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's very reactive, you know, it's like, you know, you've got this one thing in front of you that you have to deal with because it's a really big <laughs> deal, you know, and you don't, you, you just can't, you know, allow yourself to like get distracted and, and you can't put it off because your pager went off and everybody's going to know <laughs> that you, you know, you're the person on the hook for fixing this thing. And so right, right. I think that, um, I think that that was something that I was, that I did pretty well at. And, and again, you know, there's a conversation I've had with, you know, friends on Twitter who are, who've been on call and they've, they've said the same thing. And, and so to me, it's, it's about like reactive versus proactive. And Mm -hmm. it's about Mm -hmm. those timelines and the time blindness. And then, like you said, the, the level of interest, I think that like, those are kind of like the three sort of, you know, areas that Mm -hmm. I think of when I, when I evaluate, like what's going to be a good fit for me and how I can make my job fit more with how my brain works. Yeah. And kind of along with what you said with like smaller companies, a a lot of times roles at smaller companies, you wear a lot more hats, which is a much, which is an easy way to generate interest because you're kind of jumping from this thing to that thing to like, Oh, I guess I'm going to help out with marketing today or like whatever the case is with that company. And as companies get bigger, like a lot of those roles get more and more specialized, which means you're not, getting to try out kind of all these different things you get sort of maybe other people don't feel this but with ADHD you feel kind of pigeonholed like oh I only get to do this one thing now like that's not very exciting anymore and so it can be difficult when you are at sort of one of those larger companies which I think is also why a lot of people with ADHD start their own company because it's really fun to kind of juggle tackling all the different tasks at the same time and it doesn't mean we're going to excel at all of them but at least there's that sort of that urgency and that interest that really sort of drives all of that happening at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think this is a great time to transition to uh, what I call shiny objects. And this is a part yeah. of the show where, where we can just sort of uh, share something, something that we're nerding about lately or something that's uh, really grabbed our interest. So uh, what's a shiny object for you? Well, so the big one for me, I've been nerding out pretty seriously about this uh, game called Marvel Snap. <laughs> which is yes uh, i've been playing it on mobile but i think there's a pc version of it too um mm-hmm. i've actually played the 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 ios game on my mac it's one of those apps that'll like run mm. natively on a mac that's using the the newer mac os and um it is super addictive it's by uh designed by some of the folks who worked on hearthstone you know um and um just seems to it's very clever you know the way that they've set it up the 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 sort of abilities that the different characters have are are really you know they fit really well with like the actual characters you know they've done a really Mm -hmm. good job of like designing like the individual characters and um it's really fun but i feel like it is kind of more challenging playing this game with adhd because (laughs) uh you there are things where like I'll, I'll forget stuff. Right. So like right now I'm playing a deck that, um, that the, the sort of meta of it is that I want to discard cards like as I go. And then there's a card I have that I hopefully get to play at the end that brings back all the cards that I've discarded. Uh, And so mm -hmm. I kind of get to make this big move like for free later on, you know, and bring on a, a bunch of, um, a bunch of power onto the board and I'll, I'll forget 
what cards I've discarded, <laughs> right? By the time I get to the end, right? And I just don't, I don't, it's kind of like, well, okay, I guess I'm going to see what I get this time. <laughs> um, but it's, it's really fun. And um, if you like mobile games and if you like those games like um, Hearthstone or Magic the Gathering, you know, things mm-hmm. in, in that kind of genre, I think that it's very worth checking out. Yeah, that's it's that game is like a dopamine engine. It just, there's so many little unlocks and that are like, oh, you know, because you'll play a game and you'll get the points to be able to, oh, I can unlock um, like where my character will jump a little bit out of the frame and then I'll get another yep. unlock where, where the card will be like 3D and all these little things that, or you'll get like alternate faces and it's just yep. so, uh, yeah, for people that are Marvel fans, it's it's a dangerous game um, because you will get sucked in and the, the matches are so quick too. And yeah. it's- They're like it, a couple minutes or less. Yeah, which is which is dangerous because it's always like, well, I can do one more. You know, it's like you'll you'll win a few and you're like, well, I got to keep going. I'm on a good streak. And then you'll lose one and you're like, well, I can't end with a loss, so I got to do it again. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's it's an awesome game, which is bad news for me. I had to take it off my phone. I still play it. I'll play it on my oh, iPad. Wow. Yeah. But then that way I'm not tempted to do it on the phone because like, oh my gosh, I'll just lose hours uh, playing something like that. I definitely had some <laughs> nights when I first started playing it where I was like, Oh, it's 4 a.m. and I have to be up at 7. I guess I'd better go to bed. Yep. Surprise. (laughs) Cool. Well, my shiny objects, uh, my shiny object, I just recently did the Chad conference and I got to meet Danny Donovan, which was awesome. And while I was there, I she gave me an early copy of her anti-planner, which uh, is such a cool uh, little book. So not a little book. It's like over 300 pages. So I've been doing like a... Um, a review video of it, which will probably, which is probably out by the time this uh, podcast awesome. airs. Um, but it is such a great little, uh, it's such a great book. It's just chock full of so many different strategies. It's the sort yeah. of thing where you could just like, where you're feeling like, man, I'm just feeling so overwhelmed with all my stuff. And you can open it up and there's a tab for overwhelmed. And then you can go there and there's just all these like very gamified strategies and advice yeah. and like checklists and games. There's just so much stuff in there that it's it's a really great starting point i think for when you when you hit kind of one of those stall moments of adhd like i'm overwhelmed or i'm stuck or i'm unmotivated or whatever that the case might be i think it's going to be a really great resource for people and i'm excited for it i think she announced it like a year ago and then like printing delays and all sorts of things like happened but then she took advantage of that and poured more into it and she's like well if i can't print it now I'm going to make it even better. And I think it's really paid off because it's like every page you're like, this page is gorgeous. Uh, it's like so well designed and I'm a big design nerd. So I'm a fan of that. Um, yeah, she's really crushed it with this. Uh, the anti-planner. It's awesome. I'm a big fan of Danny's and I'm one of the folks who pre-ordered it like right away as soon as she yeah, announced yeah. it. So I've been like waiting and waiting, but, uh, but it's been, um, she's handled it really well. I think she's, you know, mm-hmm. sent out these emails with like PDFs of some of the stuff that's going to be in the book, which is nice. But, uh, but it's been, it's been really funny sometimes to see like her, her messages because she'll be like, Oh, I have to apologize for this thing, not getting, getting done on time. And it's like, we're people with ADHD, right? And so, <laughs> so it's like, you know what? You don't really need to apologize. Yeah. Like we get it. We get it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of it's not been under her control anyway, but yes. Yeah. Um, 
but no, I'm definitely looking forward to getting my copy. I, I have one coming. So <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here, Rich. Uh, it was awesome to hang out and uh, us to catch up a little bit again. Yeah. Uh, where, where can people go if they want to find out more about what you're doing? So I would have said Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> before like four weeks ago right right <laughs> i'm still there but like i'm i'm a lot less uh less excited about being there i've tried mastodon i'm using it some but it's 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 not the same so the thing that i would do is um i actually have a link tree so it's like link t what is it tr.ee <laughs> Are the URLs? We'll put the, we'll put the link in the show notes so yeah. it's uh, easy for people. Yeah, yeah, but that has links to my Twitter and my Mastodon, and um, I actually use some streaming on Twitch. I've been streaming Marvel Snap lately, some um, nice. and uh, a few other things there. So that would be the best place to go to to find out where I'm at. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much. This is great. Yeah. Thanks, Jesse. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. I especially want to thank our VIP patrons, Alex Magana, Sharice Carlson, Dan Ott, Luce Carter, and Richard Stevens. Your support helps make it possible for me to do the work that I do. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash J, or you can also help the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast player of your choice. Full show notes and transcripts are available at ADHDnerds.com.